Welcome to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. This program is designed to inspire you to stand on the Word of God and to help you build unshakable and unstoppable faith in Jesus Christ. Here's your host, Dr. Kazumba. On today's program, I'm so privileged and, and it's uh, really an honor uh, to have uh, Kim Mas join me today. She's the author of uh, The Way of the Kingdom and uh, Seizing the Times for a Great Move of God. Stay tuned and we'll be right back with my special guest. The Way of the Kingdom, Seizing the Moment for a Great Move of God. Why would I write a book like that? Well, because of the moment that we're living in. I was thinking a lot about what I'm seeing happen all over the earth. You know, I've been in many nations and I have seen God stirring up something and I knew God was doing something new. The kingdom of God is on the move. The Holy Spirit is moving. But as I, I look at the church, I see so many people suffering and, and discouraged and disappointed and there's violence. And as I ask the Lord, what what is going on? I keep hearing the phrase, the kingdom of God suffers violence. So you know, in Matthew 11, 12, there's a scripture that says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. But what exactly does that mean? Well, it means a whole lot more than I think that we have understood. And, I, and as I think about the times that we're in and the violence that we have been experiencing and the suffering, I'm not sure that as the church we understand how that plays into the kingdom of God. And when I began to look at the scripture, one of the things that I found that I felt was so important for this moment right now that we're in, is that violence is actually a sign to us. It's a sign that the kingdom of God is on the move. Why? Because from the very beginning of time, from the beginning of scripture, even in the Garden of Eden, we see that every time that God is moving, doing something new, bringing something about, bringing something into being, and, and the Trinity, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God is, is moving, bringing his kingdom near. The enemy is right there to push back bring oppression and bring violence. So really, this is the most exciting time that we are living in. And yes, we are experiencing violence. I don't like it either. And we are suffering and many people are suffering. And I think that in the church that, that we are tempted to lose our faith because it's discouraging. And yet it's a sign to us that God is on the move. And so I wrote the book to help prepare us to enter into this time, to understand that the kingdom of God is moving and to see how is it that we move with you, God, to see the move of the Holy Spirit come into its greatest fullness. This is where we are. We are in a serious time. We are in a sobering time. We're in a violent time, but we're in a time when the Holy Spirit is on the move and we get to participate with that move if we will understand how to seize the moment. Welcome back. Uh, let me tell you briefly about Kim. She's a sought after international speaker, author and Christian minister. 
after a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit on March 22, 1994, Kim left a 22-year nursing career to serve God full-time. She's here with me right now, joining me. Kim, welcome on Unstoppable Faith. I'm so happy to be here on any program that is called Unstoppable Faith. That is amazing, and it's actually a prophetic word for now. Amen, amen. So I'm glad and I'm looking forward to what you have to share as we talk about uh, the way of the kingdom, seizing the times for a great move of God. You've, this is yet to be released, by the way. Uh, this is a very powerful book, so our audience, I'll be telling you where you can get that copy. Now, woman of God, let me just go right to it here. I got the first question for you here. Can you share your story of encountering the Holy Spirit and changing your direction toward full-time ministry? And how has the prophetic revelation changed your life? Well, that's a great story. And what a great question to start with. I, uh, I, I was raised in a, in a nominal Christian way in my family. We went to church uh, on occasion and uh, more, than, more than occasionally, but not quite regularly. And uh, I was raised in a context, in a Christian context, that I didn't have any idea that I could be a minister of God. And um, so it was never on the table for me. And uh, when I got into high school, I decided I would be a nurse, and I went into nursing. I went to school. I did all that. I was a labor and delivery nurse for many years, and I loved it, and I thought this was my career. And um, and I loved Jesus. I'd gotten saved when I was 13. Uh, but at a certain point, my marriage started to fail, and we were we were on the brink of divorce and I had an, my first encounter with God in his voice and he told me to reconcile with my husband. And so through the course of time over a four year period that happened, it was very miraculous. Uh, my husband was not a Christian uh, when I married him, but he became a Christian through the course of that encounter. And it was about four years after that, that I was attending a church and they asked me to come and give my testimony about this miracle that God had done in my marriage. And I felt that Jesus deserved all the glory. So I went and I gave the testimony of how he intervened on my marriage, saved me, saved my husband, delivered him from drugs and alcohol addiction, and, um, and now we were happily married. And it was at that retreat, at that moment, when they had asked us to sit down and take communion. And, uh, and I was taking communion. Well, just before I took communion, there was a young woman who came over and she laid her hands on me and said, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Well, I had never really heard about that. I didn't really know what I thought about that either. Um, but I knew that God had done this amazing thing in my life and in my family. I knew he was real. And if this was from the Lord, I wanted it all. So she laid her hands on me. I had, I had a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit. I got, I got filled. I got delivered from some demonic oppression. I, I got called to full-time ministry. And it was such a radical uh, moment for me. It was so life-changing for me that I went home from that three-day weekend a completely different person and, um, and began this journey of, of calling. And um, I, I 
was called back to school. I finished my master's degree. I went and got my doctorate. And, um, and God said he was going to open up the nations and that I would preach and teach and prophesy. And being filled with the Holy Spirit um, enabled me to do that. It empowered me in this way so that I could follow him and fulfill the call that was on my life. And so that's how it all started completely changed my life wasn't something that i was expecting it was really an interruption in the course of my life my husband and i we really we really thought that we would work for 30 years and then retire you know sort of the american dream and then go on vacation the yeah. rest of our life but god had a whole different idea of what he wanted to do with our lives that is, uh, that is so, so great just to hear how the Lord uh, radically changed your life. And uh, you had to, and not only radically changed your life, he also served your marriage. Such is uh, the God we serve. Now, yes. Dr. Kim, I want to go to this question here. You open, uh, you open the way of the kingdom with your prophetic dream of a heavyweight championship match. Can you share how the Lord spoke to you through that dream? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very important to actually, uh, because it was out of that dream and through the, the asking God several questions and seeking him for understanding that this book actually began to be birthed and it's taken several years. Uh, but in 2017, um, I unexpectedly had a dream. Now, I'm very prophetic, and I get prophetic words. Um, however, I don't dream a lot. I have probably two prophetic dreams a year, and usually when I have them, God speaks to me right away through them. And so I had a dream uh, where in the dream I was – I was in a boxing ring. I was in an arena, sort of like a huge auditorium. And in the center was the, the boxing ring. And I was standing in the aisle out of which uh, the fighters come out and they walk down the aisle and they get in the ring. And there was a crowd everywhere. It was just full of people waiting to watch this heavyweight championship of the world. And I knew it was that, the heavyweight championship of the world and so out of out of the back room come these two fighters and and one of them was young and walked right past me didn't even didn't even stop to look at me didn't even know that i was there just ignored me completely but the other fighter as he began to walk past me he stopped and he turned and he looked me fully in the face and i recognized this fighter it he was an old fighter he was like a, a cross between a joe lewis and a muhammad Olib. and i i in the dream i recognized him you know dream language sometimes isn't exact and so it wasn't one person it was sort of a combination but i knew that he was an old man and that he should be far past his prime and so what was he doing entering into the heavyweight championship of the world yet his body was muscular and firm and he was he had was full of vitality and full of life and i i knew that he was strong and fit and ready for this fight and i was so curious and i asked him how did you get this way how did you how did you manage to come and you're you're about to make a comeback and he he said through through discipline and through a rigorous strict routine 
and I and and he walked up and he got in the ring and pretty soon I suddenly the next scene of the dream I'm behind a camera and I'm watching the fight play out as it begins and all of a sudden from the other side of the of the ring there was this woman and she was all dressed in she was like in costume almost like a like a geisha you know and a geisha is a is um you know, in dreams, it's not an actual person. And it was, this is not about a nation. It wasn't about a people group. It was about a costumed, made up uh, woman who was an entertainer. And, um, and I, and I knew that it was um, not a reality, but a deception. And suddenly a gun came out of her, out of her hand and she shot toward the heavyweight fighter, the, the older man. And it came right toward the the camera and it whizzed right past. And I, and I, and I started screaming, it's a gun. She has a gun. She has a gun. The shot rang out and, and I knew it missed. And I woke up and the Lord said to me, as I was waking up from this dream that, that we have entered into a season of time that was a heavyweight championship of the world. Wow, it gives me such chills. Makes me emotional even now. And that we were in a war with Jezebel, but the two fighters represented the uncompromised gospel mm -hmm. and the compromises of the world. And we in the church were, were entering into a great struggle and many would be divided. There would be a division over this compromised gospel, but that we were to make a comeback. And so I knew that that this struggle and this season that we were coming into would be like a great battlefield or like a great fight, a great struggle, mm -hmm. and um, and that we were going to um, suffer some division, and that we were we were to begin to understand the gospel the way that the ancient fathers understood it. And we needed to come back to the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, an uncompromised gospel. It's so interesting that uh, you you say that because uh, 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 I believe it's uh, a couple months ago, the Holy Spirit also started speaking to me about, uh, you know, the same way you've, you've seen like the church is in the fight, believers are in the battle, it's a fight, yes. and uh, there would be division. And the Holy Spirit started putting upon my heart uh, uh, to remind the church and to remind the people about not losing their passion for Jesus yes. Christ. So it's okay. so interesting. And I've been uh, carrying that message every Sunday in different places uh, during this pandemic. But I just found it, find it so interesting. You share the same, you know, in the same line of uh, the church, the believers being in a fight. Now, yeah. Here is my other question in those lines. God is not surprised by the violence no. or violent times. Can you share more about how the kingdom of God has suffered and continue to suffer violence? Well, we see throughout scripture from beginning to end, from Genesis actually to Revelation, that every time the kingdom of God begins to move, whether it was in the garden with Adam and Eve, you know, or it's in revelation as he begins to move, that there's always the enemy and his forces coming in opposition against the move of, of the Holy Spirit. And so this should not be a surprise to us. And Jesus, especially in Matthew eleven twelve, which is actually the, the core basic foundational scripture of this book, um, says, 
that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We'll see right there in that passage, you, you have a move and a counter move. This is not a surprise to God. Jesus said that in this world we would have trouble. And so we do experience trouble. He also knew that as the kingdom would break in upon the earth, that there would be violent opposition to it. And we would need to become the violent who take it by force, who bring heaven to earth, who, who bring further the advancement of the kingdom and complete the mission of Christ. And so God is not up on the throne, wringing his hands and, and saying, oh, I, I, with anxiety going, I, I don't know what, what's going to happen. I, I don't know what to do about this. No, he has a plan. He's had a plan from the be very beginning. And we as the church are part of that plan. And, and so the violence is actually assigned to us. It should be assigned to us, you know, the times and seasons are ordered by God. Even uh, the Kohelet, the preacher, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, he says there's a time for everything under the sun, right? There's a time to pick up stones, a time to throw away stones. There's a time for war. There's a time for peace. There's a time for weeping, and there's a time for laughing. And the point of that passage really is, is that God is the one who orders the times and the seasons. And if God is the one who divinely orders the times and the seasons, then there is a divinely appointed action that is to be taken in each time and season. Now, Jesus in the Gospels is very clear. He, he talks about the identity of God's people. Part of our identity is that we would understand the time and the season and then understand how to walk in it, how to participate with whatever God is doing in that time and season. And he indicts the Pharisees and the Sadducees and he says, you're the leaders of my people. And you say, you know, when the sun looks like this, when the, when the, when the sky looks like this, it's time to plant or it's going to rain or there's going to be a storm, but you don't know how to spiritually discern the time and the season, meaning that as God, as the leader of God's people, especially, but also as God's people, we ought to understand the spiritual times and seasons. In other words, what God has ordained and what he is doing. And so in every time and season, there is an opposition that comes to whatever he is doing. And the opposition comes by the enemy. The enemy brings violence against God's people so that we will shrink back, become afraid, become intimidated, be, become, become offended at, at whatever we are suffering so that we will, you know, take our ball and go home, which is a colloquialism in America, meaning that we will stop doing whatever God has called us to do. We will turn back. We will sit down and we will just mind our own business. And we will, we will just wait and huddle in our houses and, and, and until Jesus returns. But this is not the call on our lives. The call on our lives is to follow Jesus into this battle to save the hearts of the lost and reconcile people to Jesus, to bring healing and restoration of hearts and minds and bodies and souls, cooperating with Jesus, advancing the kingdom of God on the earth. 
If you've just joined us on Unstoppable Faith uh, here, maybe way by, by the way of radio or watching around the world, I know even in Africa on TV, Zambian TV Broadcasting Corporation TV3. If you're joining us on those platforms, uh, I have a very powerful woman of God, uh, Dr. Kim Maz, the author of uh, The Way of the Kingdom, Seizing the Times for a Great Move of God. And I like what she writes at the back fight the way Jesus fought. Doc, I'm going to go to this question here. You describe okay. a person who is offended as being tempted by unbelief. Can you explain this trap, how we can identify, sorry, can you explain this trap, how we can identify it and how we can overcome it? And also, as you are on that question, I want also uh, uh, you to touch on uh, how does the enemy use offense to kill a movement of the <laughs> spirit in modern Christians? Yes, so important. Thank you for asking that question. You know, John the Baptist was a powerful prophet. He's the one called to make way for the kingdom of God, and he prepared the way for Jesus. And yet even John, in his most vulnerable moment, is tempted by offense. So offense in the Greek means scandalizo. And so what happens is that Jesus, uh, John sends a question to Jesus. He's, John is, is in prison. He's suffering. Uh, he's suffering injustice and he's suffering violence at the hand of unrighteous and unscrupulous leaders. This is not how it's supposed to be. He doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't understand what's going on because he knew that Jesus was coming as the Messiah. And his understanding of the Messiah was that he would be a king that would that would plant a kingdom here on earth and he would supplant these unrighteous rulers and he would he would rid the, the church of corruption and he would rid the land of political oppression and he would set Israel his people back on top back in the back in the lead back in power so that they could rule in the nation and none of this was happening and so he's he's in prison he doesn't understand what's going on and he sends this curious question to Jesus and he says and he says are you the one who is coming or am i supposed to be looking for another one and Jesus answers curiously Jesus says well go and tell John that the blind see and the lame walk and the good news is preached to the gospel. And then he says this very interesting phrase. He says, and blessed is the one who is not offended mm -hmm. by me. Now that word offense means scandalized, scandalizo. It's, it's uh, in the Greek, it's about a trap that is set uh, for, for its victim. And when we get trapped, we get stuck, you see. And so um, in the Greek, what it really means is that we are being tempted to unbelief. Because when we are tempted to unbelief, if we get trapped in unbelief, if the enemy can tempt us by saying, oh, look, he's not doing, he's not doing what he said he would. He's not answering his, your promises. He's not helping you. He's not saving you. He's not providing for you. He's not protecting you. He's not who he says he was. I don't know why you believed him in the first place. It's a trap because if we can get trapped in our offense at how our expectation of Jesus, how we would move, what he would do, how he would show up for us, how the situation would turn out for us. If we get trapped in that 
unmet expectation, we get trapped to unbelief, what happens? We turn away from God. We turn away from Jesus. We stop fulfilling fulfilling the purpose for which we were created and we stop moving forward and enduring through the trial and through the suffering through the injustices uh, to the point of fulfillment of the prophecies and the promises over our lives you see and so this is how the enemy kills a move of god we become offended we see we say well he's He's not who he said he was because he didn't he didn't do this the way I thought he was. What we end up doing, see, is we put God on trial and we make him answer for what we thought he should do. And we hold up we hold up these things. Well, you know, listen, my own mother died of cancer. She died a violent death. I I I travel the world. I see God heal and restore. I've seen him heal cancer. I've seen him I've seen him um bring bring up people who are lame up out of a wheelchair who haven't walked in years. I've seen them get up and walk out of their wheelchairs. I've I've laid hand on hands on people who were deaf from birth and seen their ears open. I've seen the blind see. I have seen the lame walk. I, I have seen miracles. When I lay my hands on my own mother at home, I'm mm -hmm. sorry, it breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. She still suffered and she still died. Mm -hmm. And God chose to heal her by bringing her home to her eternal home. Mm -hmm. And I had the opportunity to get offended with God. That he didn't do things the way I thought he would. That he didn't show up for my mother and for me the way I thought he should. And had I gotten offended, see, I would never have gone on. It's been six years, six years now. And I have seen even greater miracles than I, than I saw even before. And see, this is what happens. And when moves of God, how we get offended, how it kills a move of God. Is that see oftentimes the next move of God we have revivals don't we we've seen the Pentecostal movement we've seen the we've seen the Toronto movement we've seen the the uh, the um, charismatic movement we've seen the Jesus move we've seen move after move of God and what happens is that one move happens one move comes in there are certain signs and wonders and miracles that come in there are certain leaders that get lifted up on top they're they're people that like you and me who started out just as moms and dads or or young people who who had an had an encounter with Jesus and and suddenly we find ourselves leading in a movement of God and then that movement begins to wane and and things begin to change and and though we have worked hard and we have continued on and we have learned certain things from that movement suddenly God begins to move again in another in another form or fashion just the other day I spoke to a young woman who's very young just coming up she's only been in the ministry for five years and suddenly she has millions of followers and she's seeing signs and wonders happen and it looks like a move of God is beginning to break out behind her well listen I've been in ministry for 25 years and I've been waiting right and so I have the opportunity to be offended by that God why would you use her and not me why why after all these years I've been faithful why would you start give her all those followers and why would you give her all those miracles when I've done this I've done that I believe this I've taught that you see and we wow. can miss what God is doing and we can be become offended because we thought we would leave lead mm -hmm. and yet we're being asked to follow how humble will we be how how humble see offense is a choice mm -hmm. and we need to choose now that however god chooses to show up 
that's up to him. He is the king. He is the he is the ruler. He is God Almighty. He's our savior. And yes, he's our friends, friend, but he may do it different than we think. We may suffer injustice. We we may suffer political oppression. Look, it's happening in my nation. I know it's happened in the African nations. I've seen it happen in the European nations. I've seen it happen in the Asian nations. Listen, it happens because the devil is real. Mm-hmm. And because Satan is against what God is doing on the earth. And he will always... He will always infect and corrupt nations and politics and even the church if we let him. We have to choose now to not be offended so that we can be open-hearted and we can we can allow him to move in whatever way he wants. The other thing that we have to do if we're going to be unoffendable mm-hmm. is we are going to have to deal with whatever unmet expectation yes. that we have of Jesus. We're going to have to allow him to to we're going to have to ask him to forgive us. We're going to have to give that into his hand. We're going to have to forgive those who have tr- mistreated us because of course we're mistreated. Listen, we live in the world. We live in a sin sick, corrupted, polluted and and Satan infested time. He's the ruler of this age. It says Satan is the ruler over this age. However, we have authority and we move in the kingdom and we shouldn't be surprised that we are opposed we need to we need to give that back into jesus hands allow him to heal us give up our false expectations and allow him to do what he wants we need to decide to be unoffendable if we're going to participate in this move of god and there is a move of god that has already begun Yes. And it's already moving, and we are going to see signs and wonders and miracles beyond our wildest imagination. We're going to see the next generation raised up, and our children and our children's children are going to prophesy. And listen, I re- I know I'm just prophesying to you right now. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you that revival is coming to family units. Mm-hmm. Those of you who have sons and daughters who say they're like Gideon, right, and say that's just stories. I don't know your God. You you tell me that this, but you know, look how you live your lives. Look how the leaders live their lives. Look what's happening in the nation. Look at the pandemic and all the people who have died. And Jesus is coming in a fresh wave and a fresh move. And we are going to see a harvest of new souls. And with them are going to be those children and grandchildren of ours who've been jaded and skeptical and feel like it's just stories. Jesus is going to become very real to them. And we're going to see revival in families. God bless. God bless. This is so powerful. This is so powerful. The key word for us here is... uh, uh, is a scandalion or scandalazo or scandalazo, which is uh, the word for offense. That word simply means a trap. The enemy intends to trap you and me from, uh, you know, from advancing the kingdom of God through offense. Offense is a trap of the enemy that pulls us away from the purposes and the plans of God. And also offense over seeing other people being used by God, like Dr. Kim has shared here, can cause you to, you know, to, to reduce the momentum of what God is uh, trying to do. I love this already. We're gonna be bringing uh, Dr. Kim back on uh, part two to finish this series. I hope you are blessed by this. We're gonna bring her in back and then we're gonna tell you where to get 
a copy of her book as well as uh, how you can connect with her until then uh, shalom shalom and by the way i'm gonna be asking her to also prophesy and pray with you right on our network so stay tuned and uh, again we will be back with unstoppable faith god bless you shalom shalom faith is the currency of the kingdom of god thank you for tuning in to unstoppable faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. If this program has been a blessing to you, write to us at life at and share your testimony.